Hello, how are we doing? Yes, it's the sound of the start of your weekend, the Not The Top 20 podcast betting show. We are sponsored by Betfair this week, as always, searching for winners across the EFL, a big bill, which is my new phrase for throbbing docket for full slate. <laughs> big, big bill this weekend. This show is for over 18s only. We ask that you understand the risks that come with gambling, head to be gamble aware if you aren't, but never stake more than you can afford to lose. Never chase losses. More information about the risks that come with betting at BeGambleAware.org. Uh, last week on this show was a, a positive one, I would say. George Ellett keeps on rolling. Uh, Luton doing the business for you for your nap. Swindon and Bradford Overs coming in comfortably. And shot monster Sam Hoskins with a lovely 100-30 to 30 winner. So, George, you're having a, a very, very strong October on this podcast. Three profitable weeks in a row, which with the structure we impose on ourselves is, is pretty impressive. Nine points. 0.42 points up from 18 state so over 50 percent return this month how are you my friend all well yeah i am i'm good i'm excited about mine and your and about 20 other people's weekend away this weekend stag weekend for george ellick it's his stag i'm not going to sing at any point on the stag but i'm so excited about it oh no you just given me a clue that means we're obviously not doing karaoke or going to a football match or just in your case, being on in any form of transport. <laughs> in Bucharest, they don't have karaoke. Um, we're not going to give out any details about the stag do because you don't know anything about it. But I'm sure on Monday, if we are alive and well, uh, we can probably discuss it on the podcast. Um, I, for my part, last week got my nap up. Port Vale were very comfy, weren't they, against Cole U. So my three-week battle against Colchester ended with me winning 2-1. Uh, my Bolton lay also went well. They could only draw with Gillingham. And my over 2.5 double, they were both nil-nil at halftime, so I thought that was gone. Then both games saw two goals before the 65th minute. Posh then did the business for me. Dembele winning it uh, at the end, pushing it over two over 2.5. And then Van Hecker of Blackburn volleyed wide from seven yards out with the goal gaping at 1-1. Uh, so that was quite a painful loser. But uh, we're going again, similar theme this week. And my 14-1 to goal scorer picked Dan Scar. Had two shots, one on target for Plymouth against Morecambe. So not as good a week as you, um, just in the red, sadly, but one that gives me confidence heading into the most exciting weekend of the year so far. Let's get stuck in. Big Bill of EFL action. George, what's your best bet? What's your nap? Best bet is Northampton, the Cobblers, uh, to beat, just Cobblers, I think, to beat um, Carlisle. Now, Carlisle have this week um, announced their new manager. It's Keith Millen, who... Had a very brief brief stint as a championship manager about a decade ago at Bristol City when he was initially um, assistant manager. He's since worked under plenty of, of wily old foxes at Crystal Palace as assistant manager um, before leaving a couple of years ago. Um, he it kind of came from nowhere, I guess. Doing a bit of reading up on him, he seems like one of those guys who is an incredibly popular figure in football. Everybody who knows him or has had any dealings with him um, only speaks in kind of the most glowing terms of him, both as a man and, and as a coach. So I know a lot of Carlisle fans are pretty frustrated that after the um, Chris Beach experiment that started so well, but ended up with the test tube exploding and everyone getting hurt. Um, they're a bit frustrated. They haven't necessarily gone for somebody who has more managerial experience. I don't really buy into that. And I think, you know, even though Millen, it doesn't fit the James Robry type, you know, the, the younger 
up and coming coach. You know, he is probably more old, you know, old guard at 55, but somebody who, who knows a lot about the game is very experienced and, you know, is obviously impressed in his, um, in his interview. Having said that, I don't really care about new manager bounces. I don't really care about um, the fact this is his first game in charge. I'm not expecting, I have no reason to expect there to be much of a reaction. They've been poor this season. And until I see reason to think otherwise, I'm going to still to chalk them down as a side who good sides will beat. And in Northampton, we have a team who I've been around the houses with Ali this season. I thought they were terrible. I thought they'd been great. I thought they'd been terrible again. And in fairness, when you look at their fixtures, you know, they, they kicked off the season with back-to-back wins. They then went on a, uh, a four-game winless run. They're now, they're, they've now won three games in a row, keeping clean sheets in all three. So it has been fairly Jekyll and Hyde. At the beginning of the season, they were um, very solid, but only really scoring from set pieces. They, they then lost that defensive solidity and everything unraveled a bit. John Brady now seems to have found the tonic where they are a side who give up precious few chances and are both a massive threat from set pieces and have started to be a threat as well um, in open play. And I think the form of Kian Atete, even though he's only scored once in those three games, he's hit the woodwork twice and him leading the line as both a goal scorer and as um, just a presence up front has been massively important to the way that they play. The performance against Tranmere last weekend was the most impressive of the lot because not only did Atete get his goal, um, Hoskins scored a penalty, they hit the woodwork, but they just restricted Tranmere to, to very, very little. Tranmere weren't really an attacking threat at all in that game and Tranmere's home record in recent times has been very good. Now, Carlisle will have to step up massively, in my opinion, to match the, the recent performance levels of Northampton, uh, who just seem to me at the moment to be a side who are going to be pretty capable of keeping them at bay and offering threats from most set pieces and also from open play as well. So at 17 to 20, uh, it, it's, you know, it's, it's fairly short, but for a two point nap, I think cobblers should oblige and, and get us away to a winner. You once said that you'd like to go for a drink with John Brady. So for you to use the phrase, I think John Brady has found the tonic. Uh, I thought it was quite mm. apt there. Finally, I've been waiting for hours, years. That says to me that you've gone for a few beers at the pub. You've got on so well that you've gone back to one of yours and there's just like a dusty sort of half full bottle of Gordon's kicking around. You're like, should we crack that open? Have we got anything to have that with? And Brady's gone down into the cellar and he's found the tonic. Congratulations. You've got one more left in you. My best bet this weekend is uh, Bournemouth who are playing against Reading. I bet them this morning at 1.8 with Betfair Sportsbook, uh, which is the same as last week's nap winner, Port Vale. I see that they are now 1.75 with Betfair Sportsbook, so I think that probably has to be the, the pod price in the interest of fairness. I've, we have almost run out of superlatives for Bournemouth. I thought you spoke well about them on the Monday pod, and you very boldly said they were the best team in the championship, which I thought was really sticking your neck on the line, George. What with them being five points clear of any other team uh, on beating Thanks, 14 mate. games and having conceded three goals in their last 10 Co- games. Coming from you as well, that means a lot. <laughs> what you meant is they are legit, I think is basically what you meant because early season numbers weren't great. You, you wait to see how they're going to shake out. They're still not up there with, with Fulham and West Brom when it comes to XG numbers. I think we've got a fair idea of why that might be. In the first half an hour of games this season, Bournemouth are 10-0 up. 10 goals for in 14 games, zero against. 
uh, in the first half of games 13-1 and that one goal conceded was as you mentioned on opening night when Dara O'Shea scored in the first half for West Brom so uh, no first half goals conceded since then uh, they are a team that impose themselves very quickly on games that have uh, an excellent style of play both in terms of creating good chances uh, and through sort of varied means uh, through wide areas using Solanke using midfielders arriving late uh, and also are getting better and better defensively, which is a pretty scary prospect for the rest of the league. The left side of the pitch uh, is a joke and has been all season. Zamura and Anthony and Philip Billing uh, combining as well as I've ever seen really down one side of the pitch for a team in the championship. It, it is brilliant to watch the rotations, the passing and movement. So exciting. But actually, I think in the last few weeks, the right side has, has kind of come to the party, kind of balanced it out a little bit. Christie's uh, emergence, having signed on deadline day, has been brilliant. He's racking up the assists already. It's only a matter of time before he scores, I think. And Stacey or Smith in recent weeks, Stacey down the right-hand side, uh, offers ample attacking threat as well. The midfield is solid. Solanke is firing up top. He's got 10 goals already. And the back four have conceded three goals in their last 10 games. So uh, all very well with Bournemouth. And it's hard to see them chucking in a performance that would be so subpar that they couldn't get past a, a Reading side who not in a great spot at the moment in the sense that they were 2-0 up against Blackpool last midweek. And that would have made it quite a few wins in, uh, in recent weeks. They managed to lose 3-2, a pretty astonishing collapse. And then they fell 2-0 to Blackburn last weekend, 0-0 at half-time, not a lot in it. And then really tiring, falling away, you have to say, and being kind of overrun by Rovers' uh, attacking players in the second half. Reading now are an interesting one, 14 games in. Um, even if you set aside the fact that, you know, it's been reported there could be a points deduction on the way and we don't know exactly how many points that would be. Um, there's a bit of a debate within the fan base I've seen on social this week about what they should be expecting, you know, with the points deduction. Uh, should they be just delighted to stay up? Should they be looking for a top half finish? Should they be challenging for the playoffs? And and as ever, I think our own expectation for Reading and where we see them uh, is not as high as, as what the majority of the fan base, uh, which, you know, we've come to understand over the last few years. It's completely fair enough. It, it's, it's not our job to be optimistic. It is our job to try and analyse where possible. And this Reading side have lost seven games out of 14. So half of their games they've lost and they've won six, not very many draws. Looking into those games, I mean, pretty much all of their losses have been deserved losses, fair losses on the balance of play. And at least two, if not three or four of their wins have not been that. Either tight games, you know, where they've not been battered, but, you know, it's been fairly even. Uh, they've edged a lot of those thanks to the quality of John Swift and some very good goalkeeping, particularly in the last four or five weeks or so from Southwood. And then there have been games where they've been genuinely battered and somehow won. Uh, games, uh, wins rather, against Fulham and Cardiff spring to mind. So when I sort of look at all of that, I basically fall down on the opinion that their performance level isn't very high, consistently giving up a lot of chances and not creating very many and relying a lot on, on one player in particular. Now, Swift is a magnificent player, but he comes up against a team full of John Swifts, uh, where Reading really only have one. So I don't think their performance level is high, Reading. I think only a little bit better than your Barnsley's Cardiff and Hull, who have been the worst teams over the last few weeks. So I'm not expecting them to, to stay around where are they? 13th in the table. Whether or not they get a points deduction, I, I think their true level is a bit lower. It's a bad time to play Bournemouth, and I think that they'll win. So 1.75 the price, my nap. Bournemouth to win at Reading this weekend. What's your next best? I'm backing Forrest. Do you want to know about a, a QPR? Um, is the next best. The Steve Cooper um, 
renaissance may seem short-lived to those who saw the result against Fulham uh, last Sunday where they lost 4-0. Now, I'm not for a second going to try and take anything away from Fulham there. All, all I do think is that it was... It wasn't a game where I reckon there was four goals in between the two. There were a couple of absolute clangers in terms of individual defensive areas from Forest players that made a big difference here. Um, and, you know, they only conceded, I think, 10 or so shots. The first goal for Mitrovic was just, yeah, it was, it was atrocious um, in isolation. But I think there was enough in the actual game itself that I'm happy to kind of draw a line through it and look instead at the the good form that Forrest had been in under Cooper. I was pretty surprised that Lyle Taylor didn't even get a minute uh, against Fulham off the bench, given that he came off the bench and scored twice against Bristol City in injury time for the winner there. And that might change here. But, uh, you know, getting bigger than six to four about Forrest whilst taking out, taking out the draw against a, a QPR side who not only have played in midweek, which is a significant disadvantage given the, the strongish side that they played in losing to Sutherland on penalties, but a QPR side have also lost two of their last three games. They lost 4-1 to Fulham. They lost 2-1 against Posh. And I think the general consensus with amongst um, QPR fans is that the performances are starting to dip. Now, they are very, very good at home. They're good at the Kukayan Prince. Um, they've lost just one of their last uh, eight games in the league at home. But that did come against Bristol City, a side who, you know aren't amongst the strongest in the division. Um, and they've won games recently by single goal margins against Preston and Blackburn. There's been a significant drop-off in their strength so far this this season. I don't think there's a great deal between the two. Um, and, I, and I think that 4-0 drubbing at the hands of Fulham has probably crept its way too much into this price uh, about Forrest, who are 5-2 to two to win the game. So, um, yeah, I think Forrest's value, I'm, I'm going to take out the draw because um, I don't think there's a great deal between them. But, you know, Forrest themselves have won all four of their last um, four away games, conceding just two goals and scoring 10. So they're in decent nick on the roads. It, it seems like a big price, uh, and I fancy them to go well. My next best is Oxford United to beat Morecambe and over 2.5 goals in the game at 2.2. It'd be interesting to know if, if we have any idea what's going on in the EFL at this point on Saturday afternoon during your stag do. Uh, hopefully, we at least have our phones on us, but I think uh, some of the activities in Bucharest mean that it's best if we don't. Uh, but, I mean, either way, I think Oxford are going to beat Morecambe and I think it's uh, going to go goalsy. 2.2, uh, the overs is obviously kind of boosting the price there. We've both done this before. It almost always comes back to haunt us. Uh, so Oxford 1-0 and 2-0. <laughs> um, I'm sure we'll be tempting some people as well here. But the reasons for it are A, Morecambe. Uh, I backed Plymouth against them last week and Morecambe were very impressive. They went ahead. Um, they got pegged back almost immediately in the first half and, and Argyle definitely had the better of the, the rest of the first half. I was watching this one. I thought an Argyle onslaught would come in the second half and it didn't really. Morecambe shape and, and their defensive solidity was impressive. They deserved their point uh, and they caused some problems for, for Argyle as well, particularly Ayunga was in, in good form and uh, Stockton had one or two chances. It, it turns out Stockton wasn't going to score with every shot that he took or every other shot that he took for more than uh, about six weeks or eight weeks, but um, still a threat for sure. It's their away form that I'm looking at and kind of licking my lips here, I guess. Their last three results, a 4-3 loss, a 3-2 loss and a 3-1 loss, really struggling to keep opposition teams at bay when they go away from home. Um, but this is mostly about Oxford. You guys have won five games in a row. 
love these runs under Carl Robinson. He's just the sort of character, as we've said so often, who, you know, isn't perfect. Certainly knows he's not perfect as a manager, but the good times when they happen, the good runs when they happen are pretty exciting uh, and very, very convincing, I think. So I'm, I'm pretty convinced with the Yellows at the moment, but mostly this is kind of a stats thing. It's about Oxford being at home against a bottom half team. So, George, I've gone back through the last two full seasons plus the six games you've played at home against bottom half teams this season since the start of the 1920 season. Well, this time round, you've played six bottom half teams. You've won five, drawn one, lost none. Last season, you played 12 bottom half teams, obviously. You won 11 games. You lost one game. It was against Swindon Town, of all games to lose <laughs> against Swindon Town. Season before 1920, which was curtailed, you played eight home games against teams that finished in the bottom half, bottom half teams. You won seven, drew one, lost none. So since the start of the 1920 season, Oxford United playing at home against bottom half teams in League One. 23 wins, two draws and one defeat. That is 71 points from 26 games, 2.7 points per game. This is where you guys thrive. And, you know, the flip side of that is your record against the teams around you has not been particularly good in the regular season over the last two seasons particularly. 18 of the 26 have gone over 2.5. That's enough for me to think, you know, mixed with that Morecambe away leakiness um, to, to chuck that in in order to make the price much tastier than than the outright price for Oxford to win here. Uh, this season at home, six games against bottom half teams. You've scored 14 goals, 2.3 per game. Last season, it was 32 in 12 games, 2.6 per game. Uh, and I do think yellows can be got at. Particularly, I think Ayunga, in the form that he's in at the moment and the type of player he is who can carry the ball so well uh, and loves to have space to move into, you know, there's a decent chance that Morecambe can hurt Oxford as well. So Oxford to win over 2.5 goals. 2.2 uh, is my next best. Don't forget that Betfair have no cash-out suspensions uh, on match odds for all EFL games. That's applicable to singles and multiples. So at no point during the games will your bets on Match odds for all EFL games have a cash-out suspension. Let's use the Betfair Exchange now with a lay, uh, which I got up last week. You did not. Generally, you've been pretty strong on these. Where are you looking this weekend? Yeah, I'm laying Sheffield United uh, at home to Blackpool at 1.67. I've been matched at. Um, you know, there's no denying that the Blades are the likely winners here, as they should be. Um, but deciding with Blackpool recently has been fairly profitable and they've been in really good form. They're a side who, um, you know, I, I think there was concern that losing a truffle pig might result in fewer truffles, but it turns out that Jerry Yates is, can find truffles himself when the truffle pig is, isn't there. For those who've just listened to this for the first time, are wondering what I'm talking about. I'm talking about um, Shane Lavery, who has been injured for the last couple of weeks after such a good start up front. But Yates has been in, in phenomenal form I would say arguably better form than Lavery was in because what he offers as well as on top of of goal scoring um they've won their last two games they beat Preston in the big derby on the weekend convincingly and with good value for it even if uh, the opening goal did come off Keshi Anderson's standing foot and had one of the weirdest amounts of curl on it of any shot it's one of the weirdest goals I've ever seen I think um we were good we, on quest we were gonna give him massive credit for it and as in rehearsal we watched the goal and thank god Colin saw and went uh I think that might have just hit a standing foot and gone in and then we slowed it down and realised that it did. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're just in great nick in really good form. They're so well organised as we now come to expect. It took them a while to get to grips with this level, but certainly Neil Critchley showing how good he is at setting up a side in a 4-4-2 and, and get, having them very resolute, making both strikers um, 
effective, getting his wide players on the ball, enabling to tuck inside for the attacking fullbacks. It's just it's good to watch. And out of possession, they're very, very well uh, drilled. And Grimshaw so far in, in goal for um, whilst Chris Maxwell is out has been decent. So everything points to them being okay. Uh, we watched, well, I watched the um, Barnsley Sheffield United game on the weekend, and none of what I just said about. Blackpool is true of Barnsley. They are not well organised. They're not well drilled. They're not very good. They haven't scored an open play since August. And whilst Blades went into a three-goal lead, um, Barnsley then scored twice an open play. And there was a, a clear and chronic lack of confidence, it looked to me, or lack of know-how from Sheffield United in that game, um, which is ridiculous given the amount of experience in that side. And I, I still think this is massively a work in progress under Jokanovic. And the way that they nearly sacrificed a three-goal lead set off massive alarm bells about a side who are 1.67. I think it's way too short. I think Blackpool make life very difficult for them. I think Blades will have to be at their best to win. Um, they, I mean, they, as I say, they are the more likely to do so. But the, you know, I think Blackpool is 6.6 to win this game. That is a massive price, given how often we've seen uh, not only Sheffield United's soft centre, but also their inability to follow up wins with wins. So... So I'm going to stick up Sheffield United as my lay at 1.67 at home to Blackpool. Very nice. Uh, my lay is Sutton United this weekend. Uh, I've been matched at 2.0, even money, uh, for them to beat Walsall. So I've got Walsall in the draw on my side. And it's more about Walsall than, than Sutton this. Uh, I think they are quite good. I think after four games of the season, they looked really bad. Um, but I've been going through it since then and... In the last eight games, Walsall, uh, only... No, in the last ten games, in fact. I stretched it even further. They've been improving for that long now. They've only been significantly second best in terms of the XG battle twice in their last ten. And one of them was against Bradford City, where they had Labadee sent off in the first half. They had ten men for more than a half. Still managed to cling on for a draw, but, you know, essentially got battered, which was understandable. Sure enough, you know, that... That improvement in performance to have to have so rarely been second best over the last 10 games is reflected in the form table where they're seventh over the last 10 games in League Two. So I think Walsall are probably still a little bit underrated because of that poor start to the season. People probably didn't notice when things started improving. Uh, maybe I was guilty of that for a few weeks, but now I'm, would I say I'm on the Saddler's train? I uh, don't know, but I'm not far off it. That's you're, sure. you're in the saddle. You're <laughs> saddling up the horse. Nice. I just like some of the things that Matt Taylor's done. Uh, I think we've spoken about it before on the Monday pod, but essentially pushing a ball player in Jack Earing, who'd only ever played as a 10 or a very advanced 8 for Halifax in the National League, and making him your deepest line playmaker. Uh, and, and suddenly, well, the ball started to flow a lot easier between the very back of the pitch uh, and the midfield and the, and the front line. And, and that was a really good piece of management from Matty Taylor, or Matt Taylor, rather. Uh, Matthew Taylor, I think this one I'm going to go with because we've got Matty up front for Oxford and Matt in the dugout for Exeter. Um, so he deserves a lot of credit for that. And then the front line of, unsurprisingly, um, well, they've, be, they've been well fed, haven't they, since then? And, and they've been thriving, particularly George Miller on loan from Barnsley, um, but also Connor Wilkinson uh, chipping in as as is his want with that wand of a left peg cutting in from the right-hand side. Uh, Phillips as well on loan from Huddersfield has shown some nice moments and also Davies' uh, performances are massively improved as well. So they're in pretty good nick, I'd say, Walsall. I don't think they're an easy opponent for, for the favourite Sutton here. Of course, in the same time frame, Sutton have won... Seven wins out of ten and lost three. That's the second best points return in League Two in that time. So I'm under no illusions that Sutton are a good side and a strong side who 
carrying on from last season, absolutely know how to win games uh, and are doing so pretty regularly. They did play in midweek at Colchester. They did win 3-1. It wasn't the toughest game for them, particularly as Cole Yu played with 10 men for over an hour of this game. Um, but of course, you know, there might be a semblance of fatigue where Walsall will have had a nice rest and plenty of time on the training pitch. Sutton are just a good side. They've got lots of attacking options. They've got a set-piece threat as well. But I think they can be got at defensively. It was pretty poor defending for Sears' goal in midweek. Uh, I think Craig Eastmond, who's so important for them in the heart of midfield, he's been missing. He hasn't been in the squad for the last four games. When someone's not in the squad on a Tuesday, it, it's un it makes it unlikely for me to expect them to be suddenly starting on a Saturday. So I, I guess he is still missing. I think he's a big miss for them, both as a as you know, a screener in midfield and a leader as well in, 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 in this team. Uh, he's missed four games. They conceded six in their last three. So that is kind of showing up potentially as an issue for them. So I think it'd be a good even game. Uh, I'm laying Saturn at even money, not because I think they're a poor side uh, by any stretch, but I think Walsall have improved. I think they're being slightly underrated. So I want Walsall and the draw on my side uh, laying Saturn at even money this weekend. Goals, bets next. Yeah, well, you've kind of covered mine off. I am backing over two and a half goals and both teams to score at 2.05. So it's a bit of a bet builder situation um, where, yeah, so just over even money for most of the reasons you mentioned. Um, I think Craig Short, Oxford's assistant manager, in the absence of Carl Robinson, said last week that him and Carl see Herbie Kane as a number six with Alex Gorin starting in the uh, Papa John's midweek. That would suggest to me that it's going to be um, Herbie Kane, Cameron Brannigan and James Henry as a midfield three. When those three play in midfield, there are going to be goals generally because going forward, that is probably as good a technical midfield three as you're going to get um, in terms of physicality, legs, defensive now, positioning. Um, there is definitely space to hurt us on the counter. And especially given that Stockton in the middle up front with uh, Gnua and Ayunga either side, I've, I mean, Stockton dropping in, in in between the lines and having those two running off him um, to get in behind our, our high line worries me massively, especially given the way that Morecambe's games this season have been incredibly end-to-end. -end. I'd obviously fancy us to score as well. So I, I agree with you entirely. I think this is going to be um, a very end-to-end -end game with loads of goals and loads of opportunities for each side. Um, so yeah, the BTTS and over two and a half, my goal's better here. Delightful. Uh, I've got an over 2.5 double. I felt like I came pretty close to winning one last weekend. So we're going to try and push the button and get a response this time. That's complete nonsense. I can absolutely see, by the way, why managers sometimes say stuff that sounds really stupid in press conferences. Because, you know, when you're on the hook to say lots of words um, for like sometimes half an hour at a time, sometimes it's hard not to say stuff that just doesn't make any sense through no fault of your own. It's just the way that words and brains work. Anyway. Uh, Portsmouth, Bolton, over 2.5 goals. Charlton, Doncaster, over 2.5 goals. The double is 4.1 with Betfair. You've just done a bet builder. Uh, and a reminder, because I'm doing a multiple and a double, uh, that with Betfair, if you bet £20 on multiples or bet builders, you'll get a £5 free bet also to use on multiples or bet builders. T's and C's do apply for that. So I've got uh, overs double, 4.1. Bolton, Portsmouth, well... There's just something about these teams where their games are not always very high scoring, but they can be incredibly high scoring. So Pompey started the season, BTTS no in each of their first six games, which was absolutely mad. They won their first three to nil, then they had a nil-nil with Donny, then they lost two games one-nil. 
since then, every single game of seven has gone over 2.5 goals. In that time, they've scored four in a game against Sunderland. They've conceded four in a game twice, once against Rotherham, once against Ipswich. They've had three two-all draws against Plymouth, Charlton and Accrington uh, and a 2-1 defeat at Burton. So, recent times, Pompey, very loose, scoring quite a lot of goals, essentially not really having a grip on the game, which is quite surprising given uh, the, the Cowley brothers' style of play normally is about control, not necessarily controlling possession, but controlling space and uh, not giving up too much. Bolton themselves, all season, since starting with a th- with two three-all draws back-to-back, they've got mad goal games in them. They beat Ipswich 5-2, uh, they beat Charlton 4-1 away from home, they've conceded four to Wigan, they conceded three to Argyle, last weekend two-all with Gillingham. Um, they are another team who, again, they have they've only they've gone over 2.5 goals in 60% of their game. So it's not happening all the time, but they just have it in them to be very loose. And Everett has spoken about how they like it when teams come onto them. So they've got space to attack, particularly Affalion with space to move into is is incredibly dangerous. I think Pompey have the players to hurt Bolton as well. Their defence recently has been pretty pretty shoddy uh, with Harness and Curtis. Uh, you'd think they have the players to hurt them, uh, Pompey as well. And I think both of them will go for this. I think both for Pompey and Bolton, uh, in poor form, this would be seen as a bit of a statement win. So I think it'd be an entertaining game uh, at Fratton Park. And then Charlton, Donny, this is all about uh, sort of party atmosphere at at Charlton. Johnny Jackson's uh, first home game in charge as caretaker manager after winning at Sunderland last weekend. Clearly a very popular man with the Charlton fan base. It's hard for me to imagine there could be more support for any team this week, more vocal atmospheric support for any team this weekend than Charlton at home to to Doncaster because uh, of the very welcome change of manager and who is in the dugout and what happened last week. Uh, Everyone is is pulling for JJ, basically, uh, in the Charlton fan base. They've also got a big match-up advantage. Jonathan Lecco on the right wing was brilliant at Sunderland. He comes up against... Alowu uh, of Doncaster, who uh, is a young defender, had a torrid, torrid time in midweek against Shiloh Tracy of Cambridge. I think Lecco can do damage uh, to Alowu down that side. And I think, you know, with Stockley in the middle, that's a big danger for them. Charlton's issues were, were defensive under Adkins more than anything else. And it's hard to predict how much Johnny Jackson can sort that in the space of a week. Um, but what I would say is if they're not at it defensively, Donny do have... Uh, a front three in particular who've been showing a bit recently in Dodu and Hiwula uh, and Vilka or Kuchur, uh, Chukur even. Um, each of them individually more so than as a collective have been showing uh, flashes of of, uh, of quality. So I think with some good passes in midfield, Bostock, Smith, Galbraith, uh, there's a good chance for Donny on the counter-attack here as well. So I'm going overs uh, in a, at a raucous valley. 4.1 the double with Charlton, Donny over 2.5, Pompey, Bolton over 2.5, which just leaves us with some goal-scorer bets. I'm going to Colchester. Well, I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I might be going to Colchester this weekend. I have no idea. Um, I am going to talk about Colchester Scunthorpe. Uh, I've backed Scunny here um, at 130 to win the game. Um, I think it's two very, very poor sides and the price discrepancy between the two is way off. Um, Colchester, obviously, the, the likelier, but I would argue in the last couple of weeks, Scunthorpe have been the better side. You know, they were decent for a half against Forest Green. They got a point against Barrow and then we saw them beat Crawley um, on the weekend. So three much better performances, much higher performance level, four points taken, and they travel to a, a side in Colchester who they'll be desperate to to beat given both of their lowly positions so far, and they'll probably believe that they can do. Um, in terms of the goal scorer market themselves, 
there are basically two players of interest here, Jake Scrimshaw and Ryan Loft. Scrimshaw was the one who I was immediately looking at, but having kind of delved into it a bit more, Scunthorpe's form improving has seems to have kind of coincided with Loft coming back into the side and getting fit. You know, he's only started six games this season, but in the last couple of weeks, he's been having a lot of shots. You know, he may not have had too much joy yet, but he's certainly the player at the moment who seems to be the focal point and the key attacking player um, for Scunthorpe. And he is three to one um, to score at any time in this game, which is the way that I'm going to play this. Um, he scored one so far in six, but if you look at his recent games, uh, he's had three shots against Crawley, four shots against Barrow, two shots against Forest Green, um, two shots against Newport, three shots against Swindon, and drew a blank in two games where he, where he um, only played a, a total of 90 minutes in the two. So getting his shots off, not being prolific so far, but I do think Colchester are a, a step down on what um, Scunthorpe have been playing recently. And if they do oblige and they put in a better showing than, than their prices I expect them to I think he will be the most likely person to profit from it so my goal scorer pick I'm having a, a week off uh, CBs uh, I will absolutely be back on that in the coming weeks but had a decent look through and unlike most weeks I wasn't finding any particular matchups or any particular players that I felt were uh, noteworthy and massively overpriced, which is uh, which is unusual. So I'm, I'm having a quick rest, uh, and in the interest of you know just really, in the interest of narrative, uh, I think the fact that we've both got Oxford involved in our bets this week, uh, and it's your stag do, and what a lovely way for you to celebrate a weekend than Oxford to win and win comfortably. If they do, and clearly we expect them to, and clearly we expect there to be goals, I think there's a good chance that Oxford's number nine, Matty Taylor, might be involved in them. And given Oxford a 1.57 with the Betfair Sportsbook to win this game, I consider his anytime goal scorer price of 6-4, 2.5 to be uh, just kind and generous and that's what you're always after he's got just four, like you he, he's not troubling the scorers at the very top of the league one charts because he started slowly didn't he i'm not necessarily sure george if there was any uh, reasons given or anything you saw that, that meant taylor i think he only scored one in the first like eight games of the season but four in his last six now that is the more regular matty taylor league one ratio that we expect um getting chances in every game i'm um, looking at y scout here last six games Seven shots, five shots, three shots, two shots, four shots, seven shots. Mm. Um, plenty of XG racked up as well in that time. And, and probably most notably, I should say, the quality of his finishing uh, is right up there at this level. And some of his finishes in this batch of six games, in these four goals, has been absolutely sensational. So I think he's back to his best, at his sharpest, playing for a team that I expect to win clearly and win comfortably, scoring a lot of goals. Uh, Matt Taylor, six to four, anytime goal scorer for me. Um, Betfair Sportsbook with the price there. So let's recap our bets before we say goodbye and head to Bucharest. <laughs> be funny if it is now Bucharest. Um, I, I reckon a lot of the listeners who've been to Bucharest probably don't realise that you're pulling my leg and I don't know where I'm going and are going to mess up of advice for Bucharest know. now. Am I just doing what managers do? A little double bluff. Oh, mm. he won't be available this weekend. He's injured. Starting lineup. That's what I'm doing here with Bucharest as the stag destination. Cobblers the nap. Next best is Forest, draw no better away at QPR, laying blades, goals over two and a half, and both teams to score at Yellows versus Morecambe, and then Ryan Loft at three to one any time away at Colchester. I am backing Bournemouth to beat Reading 1.75 with the Betfair Sportsbook, Oxford and over 2.5 goals at 2.2, my next best. 
Um, laying Sutton, I've been matched at Even Money 2.0 on the Betfair Exchange. Uh, so I've got Walsall in the draw on my side in that game. Uh, a goals double over 2.5 in Portsmouth Bolton and Charlton Doncaster. And Matt Taylor to score for Oxford. Matty Taylor to score for Oxford at 6-4 against Morecambe on Saturday. I desperately, desperately wanted to bet on Mansfield Town this weekend. The Stags of all weekend. But I couldn't bring myself, <laughs> just could not bring myself to do it. We can't wait to talk to you guys on Monday. No idea how that's going to look, how that's going to sound. But one thing is for sure, we will be there. We will be there. You will hear our voices on Monday morning talking about the EFL. And I hope that you'll enjoy that. And I hope you've enjoyed this week's betting show. The sound of the start of your weekend, hopefully sending you into it uh, with good, positive energy. Uh, go well with any bets this weekend. Please make sure you're gambling responsibly. A massive thanks to our sponsors, Betfair, who continue to support the Not The Top 20 podcast and all that we do in covering the EFL. Massive thanks to them. Uh, go well, everyone. We'll talk to you on Monday.